Welcome to In the Know, the Bourbon Street Shots Podcast. We're your hosts, Shemit Duop and Mason Ginsberg, and this is all Pelicans all the time. Welcome to In the Know. We are back because it's December and feel like we got to give you one of these like once a month, I think. I, we should probably do it way more often, but you know, we have obligations. Mason, how you been? <laughs> yeah, like life life happens, but um and also, I think the team the team's more fun now, right? I mean, uh I, I'm good. I'm enjoying the last few games. Seems like um these guys are learning how to play together. Um obviously you had a lot of a lot of change in the offseason a lot of unexpected injuries to start the year no one expected it to go as poorly as it's gone but um at least we're, we're trending upwards and hopefully that continues um over the next few weeks hopefully we get zion back at some point this month and uh yeah um fingers crossed things will keep going uh how you been i'm really busy i've been coaching the Tulane's ultimate frisbee team the men's team and they've been doing really well. We just made nationals, so we're going to go out to Los Angeles, or I guess technically Norco, California, but right outside Los Angeles um, nice. near the end of this month. So that's going to you know, be a few days where I'm occupied. And then Thanksgiving, I was visiting family up in Tennessee, and that was nice. A uh, bit too cold for my taste, but it was nice. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I'll be um... – We'll be in uh, New Orleans for the balance of this month. We're just uh, we're doing the the, the, the snowbird thing uh, that I think a lot of people tried to do last year during the height of the pandemic. We're a little late, but um, we're blessed to be able to work remotely for now. And um, and so we're doing we, we broke broke we actually broke our, uh, our our sublet at our place in Chicago, so we don't have to so we can throw that uh, rent money at other things. And so um, right now, same with parents. I'm going to spend a little bit of time in Austin in January and. Um, just uh, avoiding the cold for as long as possible, you know? I don't blame you, man. My, my uncle and aunt are going to move to Chicago um, after the new year. And I'm like, you guys are crazy people, but, you know. <laughs> good luck. Yeah, good luck. Anyways, uh, the Pelicans, as you mentioned, have been doing a little bit better. Uh, they're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. They're treading water at 500, which is way better than losing eight straight. And starting, what was it, like two for 12 or whatever that record was. So improvement. Uh, Brandon Ingram has come back. He has not really looked too good outside of that last game against the Clippers. But again, the Pelicans are five and five, despite Brandon Ingram not looking too well. Um, People are speculating maybe he's still working his way back from injury or whatever the case may be. He's had a clear positive impact in the sense that the Pelicans are able to actually win games. Um, curious on what your thoughts are uh, on that. If you think it's, it's they're winning because of him or they're winning in spite of him, they are winning just because, Hey, that's just how randomness works in life. What do you, what do you think? I mean, I think it well, a couple of things. One it's it's not, I, I don't, I don't think anyone would disagree with what you said about Ingram and not really looking like himself at the same time. Uh, we've kind of we, we've we've been able to see what the Pelicans' depth looks like in the absence of him, and so even a bi at you know a, a certain you know high, not a hundred percent is better than what the Pelicans have been throwing out there. Uh, and so you can clearly see not just that, also teams care about him and and, and how to defend him. So I, I think that you know you, you saw earlier in the season how there were opponents pretty much locked in on on Ingram and made other players be, uh, you know try to try to beat them um and bingham still got his but at this point he's you know at less than 100 i think teams are still kind of keyed in on him which is why he's been rel- less effective um and i mean but but it's opened up things for other players and so you can see and, and other players are starting to you know i think learn how to play together like i said and so i think it's um a, a combination of cohesiveness and just the fact that 
BI even at 80% is still better than the, the end of the bench guys, the Pelicans. So um, it's a few things probably. Yeah. I think that's a huge point is that that's just way less minutes that go to Garrett Temple, for example, <laughs> or I guess that's the one I have the biggest complaints with Santa Ransky's still getting minutes. I guess those have been cut down as well, but again, there's this at least some form of offense that the team is able to put on the court. I I was interested to see what would happen to the rest of the players. Once Ingram come came back, you know, the kind of the, the pressure uh, would go down and we would see efficiency rise. And we haven't really seen that with the guards. Like Nikhil is still, struggling to put it nicely um Devante's streaky Josh Hart is Josh Hart so what well, I'm curious what you what you make of the overall offense and why it really hasn't taken a step forward even though Ingram is back yeah it's a great question I I don't have any clear answers um it's I I think you know Ingram Ingram's health has clearly impacted the team and their overall efficiency. Um, I, I, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint like Josh Hart. I think he was playing above his punching above his weight class to use a, 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 a tired phrase um, in terms of his scoring. I, I think, you know, his improvement has been real, but at the same time, like I, I you know, I can't, you can't expect to get a lot of, um, of, of offensive output from him in, in the scoring column. Um, like you said, Devante is, is streaky. He, he has no problem taking difficult shots. Um, I, I really haven't paid close attention to know, or, you know, have, have his, has the shot difficulty for him improved? Um, I, I, it hasn't seemed so to me. Um, and, and, and so obviously Nikhil, I think is forcing things and, 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 and not even trying to make things easier on himself, which is a big problem, but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's tough to really identify. It's also a function of their competition, right? In recent games, they played good teams. I mean, they played Utah twice. Um, Gobert is no, not someone who's fun to go against for any player who likes to, to attack, the, attack the paint. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, I think maybe we're looking at a small sample size situation here where, they've, where they really they've played good teams over the past four games, Washington, Utah, Utah, and the Clippers. So, um, you know, maybe the, the Pelicans' upcoming schedule, it's, it's nice. I mean, the, apart from... Yeah, whatever you want to think about Dallas, I think Dallas is not not that good right now. But they're honestly one of the better teams the Pelicans are going to play over the next couple of weeks. I mean, they've got the Dallas twice, Houston, Denver, who's incredibly injury depleted, Detroit, San Antonio, Oklahoma City. So they've got they've got a chance here to make some real noise um, with or without Zion, um, as long as the kind of the, um, the 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 recent play continues. You know, I I, I think you're going to find this surprising. I'm looking at the last ten which is since Brandon Ingram has come back and they're five and five, the players who have a positive on court rating um, players who actually have gotten real minutes. Uh, so that doesn't include Jackson and Trey and Najee and those guys um, are Billy Hernan Gomez. He's a plus 6.2 uh, or the Pels are a plus 6.2 with them on the court. Kyra Lewis uh, Pels are plus 6.3 with them on the court. Uh, and then Brandon Ingram, three guys. And then so Brandon Ingram is only 0.5. So it's a plus 0.5. And off the court, the Pels are even. So his his net is a 0.5. But the guys who have a positive uh, net, again, are Kyra Lewis and Billy Hernan Gomez, outside of those garbage time dudes. And that's surprising to me because – you feel like the starting lineup, you know, a lot's been made of it and how like they're pretty good and, and they've traditionally been pretty good, but it's really these bench minutes that have been winning games for the Pelicans. Like everyone else is, um, has a negative on off, literally everyone else, including Jonas. And I guess kind of like taking Jackson out of the rotation and um, putting Billy in there, I guess has been the fix for the last 10 games. <laughs> it's, wild right I mean like even in, just in spite of the fact that you know I, I did think that Sadoransky was gonna bounce back he started about as bad as you could start and while I, I'm not you know I'm still not really in, that impressed by him um he has played better of late and but like nope this, nope you don't agree nope nope <laughs> he's fucking terrible I'm sorry man do, I, do I don't you think th- he's worse than Temple 
I think that's like, I think you're, you're asking two very similar questions because they're both terrible. <laughs> I was trying to come up with an analogy. I didn't have a clever yeah. one. No, they both suck because let me, let me tell you, the Pelicans are uh, 12.2 points per 100% uh, possessions better when Sandoransky's off the floor. This is over the last 10. And that's 29.2. <laughs> it's negative 29.2 for Garrett Temple. It's terrible. Absolutely terrible. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't think they give you anything. Uh, so, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, w- I wouldn't like both of them out of the rotation, obviously. I, I, I think that – I don't know. I just think I prefer Sadoransky to Temple, not that either one are very good. But at the same time, they've got to figure out bench minutes for somebody. And I think the fact that Billy's been able to pick up the second unit – um, I think lesser to a lesser extent, Kyra. I, I mean, he's had some a couple of really nice games, but I think Billy's been really consistent and he's impressed me. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't think moving to him would create this kind of uplift, and 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 it clearly has. Um, I'm not sure if that speaks more to Billy or to Jackson, but either one is <laughs> I don't know. Um, what I mean, do you what do, what do you think? I mean, is it is it Billy's just been playing really well, or is it you know are we just seeing how bad Jackson was? Both. I mean, I think Jackson was terrible. I think Jackson need needs time to sit a little bit. And again, he's going to be one of those guys that I've said this at nauseum, but he's going to benefit when Zion comes back. He's going to benefit when there's like a real guard. And when your guards are Sanaransky and, and unfortunately Kyra and, and Nikhil, those guys have not been very good. Jackson's going to be lost uh, because none of those guys are effective pick and roll players. They're just not at this point. And Nikhil is the closest thing you'll get and you see moments where those Jackson and Nikhil have chemistry. And that's because Jackson's able to leverage Nikhil's score and gravity to, to get in those pick and rolls and, and catch lobs or catch easy pocket passes. But none of the other guards are really like capable of generating any of that. And Nikhil is a coin toss when it comes to making decisions once he puts his head down. So yeah, man, I, I don't know um, what's, what's up with Jackson. I think he, He's going to be better when when Zion's back. I just don't know if he's going to be good enough to to get back into the rotation. Right. No idea. Yeah, that's the challenge because um, he's out. Jackson's out of the rotation now, and that's not even including Zion's thirty minutes a game or thirty, whatever it, whatever it is. And, and they're they yeah. going to play small when Zion's back, right? They're going to play Herbert at the five. <laughs> I feel like Willie's been waiting to do that. Yeah, maybe. And so, yeah, the, the point, main point being that, yeah, where do the minutes come from? And so if, if Hernan Gomez isn't relenting, I mean, he's not going to, you can't just, you're not going to give his minutes to Jackson um, unless, unless you really feel like you're punting on the season or unless Hernan Gomez takes a big step back. And so, you know, that between him and, and play and between him, between Jonas, and then a combination of Herb or even Zion at five minutes, like, there's, it's just going to be really hard to get back into it. And so, um, I mean, in, in without a trade of some sort. And so, that, I mean, that's the only way it, it seems like is, is a, if a hand gets forced and you trade like a big for a guard or something like that and um, to, to create more backcourt depth. And so, which they I should I, trade I would out. San Aransky for Kemba Walker. What? You, why do the Knicks entertain that? Because Tom Thibodeau said Kemba Walker is no longer going to be in our rotation. Okay. He's Why does that mean they want Sadoransky? <laughs> well, send him a second round pick. Why? I've look. They don't want Kemba. They don't. They're not going to play him. So I just don't think he's going to be that difficult to to acquire. So use use a couple like a second round pick or two. Send him Didi if you have to. Whatever, whatever, whatever you need to do. There's not any real value the Knicks are going to get for Kemba. So they, he has two years left on his contract. Sadoransky's an expiring Knicks love creating cap space, send him Sandoransky and grease the wheels with a couple picks if you need to. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, there's, there's two things there. One, I mean, there's the whole, there's the whole 28 other teams kind of logic where you can, you know, is there anyone else who really wants him more? But your, your point about him having two years is also fair. Like he's got another year. And if he's already out of the next rotation, like, is that, is that money a team wants to take on? And so, because they have and, Derek Rose, they have yep, quickly, quickly. Yep. They're all the same player. <laughs> they just are better than Kemba at this point. Or they're just more worth investing in for the Knicks. Yeah. Yeah. 
So give him, you know, some guy that looks like he can play defense. I mean, if the Knicks want to send us a first, take Josh Hart, give us Kemba, and give us a pick. I'd do that. Uh, me too. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, I find it hard to believe the Knicks would, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would, I would support a move like that for sure. Um, I, I just, yeah, yeah, taking it back to, to Jackson. I mean, is he trade, is he trade bait? I mean, do you, do you think that there's a team out there that's, that I, I don't think he, obviously he hasn't done enough in the NBA to have positive, like real positive value, but I do wonder if there's a team out there that thinks they can maximize him that would give up something of value for him. Um, but who knows? Yeah, I don't, I don't think there is a team out there. <laughs> Uh, not not with like everything that Jackson comes with in terms of like craziness. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's just gonna be one of those things where the Pelicans are gonna have to ride out and see if he can either you know, I mean if you can get something for him, great, do it. But like if he can take a leap and take a leap, you know, he's just gonna yeah. have to be a body until he's not a body. And I think his his qualifying offer, um might actually decrease because he might not hit like the start, starter criteria. I mean, most likely won't um, hit the minutes criteria or the starter criteria in his fourth year. So he's going to be, yeah. it's going to be the difference again. Um, well, like monetarily. Yeah. So it's a lot of money, several million dollars, especially for him. Cause he was the eighth pick. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head though. Yeah. So that was, that's the reason I asked is because yeah, it is a lot of money for for like a full, the full qualifying offer, and I I don't know if I would I would offer it. Um, or I mean, it, it's a tough call. I mean, at, at the reduced amount, assuming it's you know it's it's meaningful, then that's a different story. But hard hard to say he's he's earned it at this point. Um, he's had like one good stretch in his career so far, essentially. So what you're saying is if David Griffin threw him an extension this summer you would change yourself to this movie king center <laughs> uh well tell me what the what the value of the extension is and then i'll let you know i mean but but yeah in most cases that's let's it say it was like... three years 25 million man um i i don't like i i want to buy in um i mean i think you and i both have have been a little bit more forgiving for on him in his case so far but i hard hard to justify in my through my eyes based on what i've seen so far tough very hard to justify i mean yeah like that's you look at the centers that you can get and it's like why would you invest that money if you're trying to be a semi-competitor i mean he's got to show you something and so like you know either they gotta start trying him out at like the four spot um a little bit or they got to give him like the ultra green light from the three point land. So he's like, maybe this guy is like a 36% shooter from deep on six attempts a game. Like that, that would, that would mean something. Right. Yeah. So they, they need to figure out what the hell they have for them because currently, yeah, he's the, currently, you know, like there's guys like Hartenstein or Javel McGee or, you know, other players that are close to minimum level or biannual level centers that are just flat out way better. I mean, you look yeah. at even like like Frank Kaminsky, who it doesn't really cost all that much, and has been spelling the Suns when Aiden was was injured. I mean, Aiden played really well last night, but you know he was spelling the Suns a little bit. And again, just there's the, you can find bigs to to be effective for cheap. We have one in Billy. Yeah, and and to bring this full circle back to the, the comments around Sadoransky and Temple, like that's I think the one thing I have it seemed like Willie was getting into this uh, more consistent rotation that was better. Um, but I mean, and the one big drawback for me was, was a temple um, just, and I really feel like I would have liked to see, you know, someone slot in at the backup four and get those minutes instead of, instead of Garrett, because like you look at the guys who are the bringing off the bench was, you know, Kyron Sadoransky, that's the, you know, those are your guards. And then, or in Nikhil too, like those are, those are three guards. And then besides that you have Billy. And so why do you need another guard? Like why, like, like pick one of Sadoransky and Temple. I think it's Sadoransky if, if you've got to use them at all and then pull Temple out and let's give someone else the minutes of the four, whether it's Trey Murphy or, or, or Jax. Like I would, I would have, uh, you know, 
Trey's a rookie, and I think Trey will have more value again when Zion comes back. I would have loved to see some minutes with Jax the four, along, I mean, alongside Billy, and just like get. And, and that was after he was on the bench for a, a week or two. So it's not like you're just giving him rotation minutes. Like, all right, give him a few with the backup four, see what he can see what it looks like in that spot. But I, I don't know. I don't. I don't see how he how he gets back into the rotation here. Yeah, I you know Willie Green clearly does not like Najee Marshall. And he clearly is not going to trust Trey Murphy. And to be completely fair to Willie Green, Najee Marshall has not shown anything this yep. year to, to show that he deserves minutes. So I, I don't know what, what happened, um, but this dude just is another guy that needs to, um, I guess, I don't know, get his focus up. <laughs> I don't know the best way to put it. I, I, maybe he's just, he's just not that guy. Maybe it's a talent issue and he's just not – who we thought he was, but um, yeah, you're right. I think something needs to be done at that spot, but I, I'm so curious to see how the, the hierarchy shakes out when Zion comes back. However, I do have a question for you. Um, two questions. What would you guess are, is Thomas Sanaransky's points per game over the last 10 games? Uh well, I know I remember seeing he scored zero in the Clippers game. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say three point two. Lower. What? Lower. Oh my god. Oh man. Uh, I mean, is it so? What? What? One point six. Nah, two point six. <laughs> two point six points per game in taking three shots and uh 33 14 71 as a slash line um harry was in our last podcast yelling about uh, i think it was last podcast about how he you know he's he's been an above average three-point shooter in his career and he's got to take more of those and be more be more willing to shoot and of course <laughs> he goes back and shoots what 14 percent from three Great. yeah but he's taking the grand total of like 12 threes so yeah. You know, it's it's just I don't I just don't understand what purpose he's serving out there except for being big and getting cardio. And then Garrett Temple <laughs> cardio. Garrett Temple, at least over the last ten games, is shooting thirty seven and a half percent for three. It's like, okay, you know, he's in his shots. The team is hemorrhaging points while he's out there, but you know, Garrett Temple he's averaging four point one points a game and and on three point five shots. So, you know, stellar, stellar offense there. And I mean, like it, the, 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 the quote unquote value of him as a, as a bench rotation player when they got him was like, was, was defense. And like, at the same time, like, obviously he's the oldest player on the team. He's 35. And so you knew that like, he wasn't always going to be this, like, and eventually you're any, whatever you have on that end of the floor starts to decline. So like, if you're hemorrhaging points while he's out there, like, I just don't understand why he's out there at all. You know? I'm pretty sure he leads the team in three-point fouls. <laughs> well, that was a void that had to be filled. Um, you know, so uh, I, you know, better. I guess he's he's there to take the mantle. Well, so Trey Murphy is averaging four point two points per game uh, to Garrett Temple's four point one. He's only playing eight point five minutes a game to Garrett Temple's thirteen point two. And he's got, and he's, his slash line is 57, 55, 100. <laughs> Playing eight minutes a game, and they're all like almost all garbage time. So I get it. But like, like on a per minute, per, per possession basis, Trey just gives you so much more. I don't understand what the love affair with Garrett Temple is. Yeah. I blame David Griffin for it. <laughs> the stupid and, tampering shit and, that and- happened. On top of all of it, he's got another year guaranteed. Like, what the hell was that? Oh my god, that just didn't. That was a disaster of a trade. Horrible. I would one hundred percent of let let Lonzo walk. Just walk. Yes, and and gotten a trade exception out of it. Yep. Hundred percent. I yeah. Like you, you just like even if you can argue that you think that those players will be positive rotation options this season, which is a, you know, not, not a great bet, obviously. Given Garrett Temple the second year was probably 
what I was the most irrationally upset about, not irrationally as in what was, you know, it was actually a good move. Obviously it was a bad move, but I was way more upset about it than it, than it actually probably is detrimental to the Pelicans just because it seems so, so unnecessary. And just I think useless. you're an appropriate level of upset about it. I, uh, I will only walk back my anger and that's not completely walking it back. Only some of it. If, and when they package that salary into something useful. Yeah. But how many times have we said that? It's <laughs> too the many past couple of years. Too, too many, many times. times. There he is, Miller, baby. Got a Steven Adams. Very useful. Very useful salary. <laughs> Anywho, enough on those guys. Uh, the real yeah, star I feel like we've of the been, show. We've been, yeah, we've been kind of negative, and the team's actually been better lately. So. The real star <laughs> of the, the star of the show is Herbert Jones. Herb Jones. Herb Jones. Monster, monster defensively. I mean, dudes is throttling everybody that's that's what i tweeted out the other day he's throttling everybody i have no i don't have a better word for it maybe suffocating that's that's just like puts a lid on everything and anybody who tries to score on him you know they can't do it because it's not on her can't do it he's actually shooting um 37 and a half percent from three thank you very much for the last 10 games not not overall i'm only looking at the last 10 so any stats i cite going forward however He's only taken eight shots from three. Enough of a sample for me. I'm in. <laughs> he is 11 to 12 on the free throw line, which is pretty solid. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I just, dude just knows where to cut, knows where to be, knows he's like a mistake-free player. And I'm super excited to see how he functioned when Zion is back. And I want to see the small ball wing heavy lineups with him. Yeah, and how often can you say mistake mistake free player as a as a rookie? I mean, forget. I know he you know he was at Dama. He wasn't a one one and done type player, but still, like, uh, just over the last ten games, he only has six turnovers. It's pretty impressive as a starter and as a rookie. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, even like he's not that low usage. I mean, he like he, he's getting the ball. Uh, it's not like just standing around the corner not doing anything on offense. He's he's. Making the right play. Yeah, he's not Solomon Hilling out there. Right. (laughs) Um, Catching strays. Poor solo, man. (laughs) Okay, so he's been really good. Josh Hart's been really good. Uh, What I'm most impressed with regarding Josh Hart is his playmaking. Yeah. He's got 49 assists over the last 10 games, which is, you know, 4.9, comes out right under 5. Which is pretty, pretty incredible. I mean, we knew he can rebound. Um, his scoring is, you know, it is what it is. It's a good in transition, not really hitting threes right now, but he's playmaking, which has been pretty nice to see. Uh, he's making, I, I think there's at times where he's a little bit of a ball stopper, but I think you're going to go through that when you put guys in positions to make decisions that aren't in a habit of making decisions. So it's, there's going to be times where it's going to, he's going to be a little bit slow on the uptake there, but it's been a pleasant surprise. I'll tell you that. It's definitely raising his trade value. Yeah. Um, he's been he's been great. He's been the biggest uh b- I'd say beyond besides her best biggest surprise of the season to me. Cause cause he's been he's been the same guy for his whole career, I think. Um, and now suddenly he's like you said, he's playmaking. And so, you know, I I, I think the, the three point percentage, I'm I'm not buying into that. That's probably gonna come regress. Um, like he's not shooting that much better than no, his he's shooting average. 20. He, over the last ten, he's shooting twenty nine percent from three. Okay, so. so he's already regressing. So he was yeah. at like upper, he was at upper thirties earlier in the nah, season. So. Yeah, he's he's seven of twenty four over the last ten. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and in spite of that, yeah, he's still he's still making plays, and and so yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's been very helpful for a team that really like you like you know you said before in regards to Jackson and not really having a pick and roll threat. Um, you know this this team needs some help with creation, especially until Zion gets back, and so um very very much needed dude so i'm excited to talk about this next guy he's been an absolute monster just completely unstoppable and his name is jonas his last name is valentunas he's made 18 threes over the the last 10 games seven in one game against the clippers um shooting 51.4 percent from three uh He's made 18. Nikhil has made 18. He's taken 20 less threes than Nikhil. 
<laughs> Nikhil's taken 55 of them and he's taken 35. But Jonas has been, again, just an absolute monster. There's The Clippers try to go small ball and they just didn't really have an answer for him because he was killing them on the offensive glass. I think the Pelicans had like 25 offensive rebounds, something like that. Or it was like, I, I don't know what the exact number was, but maybe there was the shot differential. Like 20, the Pelicans had 25 more shots than the Clippers. Either way, it was just complete murder on the offensive glass. And that was already a superpower for the Pelicans last year. They were the best offensive rebounding team in the league. And and the fact that you have Jonas doing all this right now and you're going to introduce Zion into that, man, it's, it's going to be exciting. Yeah. Um, I think the way, the way I put it after uh, the game against the Clippers is just that, you know, if this shooting uptick is real, and I think we have a lot of information, I would say, like, at least he's, he's a threat um, that a team has to care about to a degree. He's, he's the prototypical big man for to, to pair with Zion. Like he, he's going to, he'll, he'll eat inside. He can, he's going to attack, attack the offensive glass. He's going to get draw fouls. And then he can also shoot. I mean, this is, I don't, you know, I'm not sure what more realistically, but like in, uh, removing any, like a Carl Anthony Towns from the equation, a max, moving, removing max players from the equation. I don't, you can't, I don't think it's a better five to, to put him alongside, <laughs> but with the way he's shooting right now. Um, and so uh, go, like, awesome. <laughs> I don't know what else you can say. Like in the fact that they extended him before the season, um, you know, weren't, they weren't afraid to make the move, which, you know, credit, not just for the extension, but credit to, for not being worried about making the same mistake twice. Cause obviously they did it with Steven Adams and you knew you'd hear some backlash for it because of that still did it and looks looking like a better deal every single day. Um, and so it's, it's definitely uh, an exciting thing to see him having so much success from three in addition to, you know, being the same guy he has been inside all through most of his career. I'm excited to see, because teams are definitely going to still collapse on Zion. And so if he's out there um, just spotting up, I want to know what kind of volume he's going to be getting when Zion's out there. And if, you know, if he can be, uh, he's a 51% shooter right now. I was going to be like, can he be a 35% shooter at high volume? And maybe I'm setting the bar too low, but I, I think even if he was that, it would. This episode is brought to you by Monday.com Work OS. Injuries can limit a player's time in the game. A lack of experience can limit them from getting recruited. And COVID breakouts can limit your best team from getting on the field. But limits aren't limited to sports. There's a lot that can make us feel limited at work, too. Walls that make it hard to truly show up and do our best work. Siloed information. Lack of transparency. Rigid work software. That's why there's Monday.com, the customizable work software that helps you work without all those limitations. Departments of any size and organizations from any industry rely on Monday.com to build, run, and scale all their workflows. With Monday.com, teams have a unified platform where they can gain insights from each other and work better together. With everyone gaining visibility into each other's work, people at all levels can get clarity into where progress stands, and everyone knows what's up without having to constantly check in. Leave your limits behind and discover what you can accomplish with Monday.com. To start your free 14-day trial, go to Monday.com slash podcast. It would be really beneficial for the offense. And and clearly, you know, he's he's capable of being so much more. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be so much fun to watch. I just don't know yeah. when we're gonna get it. Yeah. And I, one thing I, I'm I've been thinking about a little bit recently is does how the Pelicans use use Jonas while when Zion's back does it does it allow them to play Jonas more um and so I I'm I'm, you know I think we both share concerns about how many minutes Jonas has played this season but it's also about the kind of minutes he's playing where he's playing down low and he's 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 battling and if if your role for Jonas changes and, and you know not not massively but if you're really spotting up a little bit more when you're, you're running through Zion, um, you know, does that allow you to, to extend his minutes a little bit more than you maybe felt comfortable doing before? Um, which, again, helps with the bench problems the Pelicans have had. I mean, all Billy's recent improved play aside, um, limiting the minutes for bench fives, I think, can only be a good thing for this team. And I'm not trying to run Jonas on the ground, but I do wonder how his role could impact how many minutes he can play. Yeah, I yeah, I wouldn't go as far as saying that he should get more minutes when Zion's back. However, 
you know, the, the staggering of units is going to allow for some pretty interesting combinations. Either Zion's going to be beating up on some bench uh, bigs or Jonas is. Yep. And, and no matter who is, it's going to be a problem for the other team. And, and honestly, I think going back to what I said earlier is I think with, with Zion's return, it, it really allows you to play without a center, in my opinion. And so, you know, I think there's going to be matchups where you don't see Billy out there. You just see Herbert and Zion and B.I. Because you can you can play Zion and B.I. more knowing that, you know, Jonas and, and some of the other guys can carry the bench units if they need to. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that that uh, I think the value of Josh Hart is, is really pronounced in the lineup like that too. Just because the one thing that that scares me about that kind of pairing is is the defensive rebounding, and so Josh is obviously throughout his career has been really good on the defensive glass. And so if you've got if you've got a combo of Zion Herbert and, and Ingram out there, you're not going to win many battles on the on the defensive glass anyway. And so um, you know you yeah like you said, Willie can get creative about how he fills out the rest of that th- those those types of units. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would, I would like Josh Hart out there, and then maybe, maybe it is Nikhil that's the last guy. But I would mm-hmm. like more of like a shooter. I would yeah. love if you just put Trey out there, just be a big dude, and it's an it's an all wing lineup, and and you have enough playmaking out there, in my opinion, and and you have size. So I, I yeah, I I would love that. You could just switch everything too. Yeah, I think you put Trey out in that lineup. I mean trying to figure out ways for him to succeed uh, and really get more comfortable out there as a rookie. I don't I really know a better combination of players, the Pelicans were to help him do that, except for that one. So um, yeah, I agree. So here's a question for you. How long into his career before Herbert Jones ends up on an all defensive team? Well, the the point of comparison is probably Dejounte Murray I or Matisse Tybal, right? Or Ty? Oh, fair. I'm, but but also, I, I like Murray more because uh, the Sixers have had more success <laughs> than the Pelicans, and I think that helps um, as a team. You know, winning more games gets you got that type of attention. So Murray, in spite of the Spurs not being great, still made it on and not playing a ton of minutes. I know we, we were all yelling about it because Drew played twice as many minutes as, as, as Murray that year. But I mean, I think you can, you can crack it in your first contract if you're playing enough minutes and you're making that much of an impact. And um, I don't is, I don't really, I haven't looked at, you know, the defensive on off for, for Herbert. I mean, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of it to me is eye test so far and how, like how much is impacting the game on the defensive end. By well, himself. For, with EPM, he's top 10 in the league right now, period. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, top ten. I mean, so is Jokic, but <laughs> the rest of the list looks pretty. It's a nice. huge fucking grain of salt, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jokic is up there just because like Denver's bench has been just injury ridden, and they have nobody out there. I mean, they're, like, even Austin Rivers got hurt right now. I mean, they're just they're just losing people. So his on offs are going to look really massive, um, and and they're going to look pronounced in those advanced stats that that sort of rely on that, but. Well, the rest of the list looks nice, man. Look like the rest of the list has like legitimate defenders on it. Anyways, yeah. I think it's impressive. He was top Herbert, Herbert's top ten of it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if you know he care, keeps carrying this forward and improving, I think year year three is totally reasonable. I don't really I don't I don't know if he gets that kind of notoriety in the second season, but I, I, I think I think if the Pelicans are a good team, you know, like yeah. like a good team, like fifty win plus team in the second season, which is um, virtual impossibility given you know everything that goes on with his friends given the fact that they're the pelicans right given the fact that they're the pelicans but you know in the make-believe world where they're a good team i think he ends up on one yeah for sure yeah that's i'm i'm so excited to watch this kid develop i think there's a lot of people on this team that you can root for and it, and it also like it goes back to the coach. I think Willie's a really easy guy to root for, and they really like playing for him. And so, you know, they've been beating this chemistry drum over and over again. But I I think it's legitimate because you're seeing some of these other teams that have gone through up and ups and downs, and the the quotes that come out in the media, and and you know the players only meetings that happen, and all that. Like it's bad. You know, Luke Walton's already got fired. 
Alvin Gentry's out there fighting for a job. Um, and so I think I am optimistic that Willie's going to get through to a lot of these guys. The biggest question is, is he going to be able to get through to Zion? Yep, for sure. I mean, I, I, and so something I've, and this is way getting out, um, got out ahead of things, but um, I, I think one of the other neat things about God, Her- Herbert Jones and his potential career as a, as a Pelican is this, the, the fact that um, I, I think that for him, him being an older player, he's 23 for like a four-year guy in college may actually work to New Orleans advantage. Um, this, I, I compare it to the Brogdon situation with, uh, um, you know, and, and how his, his second contract took him through his prime essentially, or takes him through his prime would be the same thing for Herb Jones. And, and like, I'm not saying that he's like, you know, going, going out and getting a max in a second contract, but I am saying that like, it's cool to feel like you've got uh, to, to know you have kind of like, control over a player through restrictive free agency um, and be able to match anything for contract two, which is not, you know, more potential development type type years. It, it's, it's the meat of it. And so, um, you know, I, I think a lot of times fans just say, Oh, well, he's older and that's, that's not good um, because, you know, he's, you only have so many years of being a productive player in the NBA. I don't think that's always something that has to be a bad thing. It can be a good thing. Um, and, and I think if Herbert Jones is a good example. I agree. I think having that, I mean, that's why it's so important to, to hit on these picks, um, these picks that make an impact day one, right? Because often it takes four years or more for them to even start contributing. And the fact that this guy's here doing it day one is means you're truly maximizing the time that that player has with you on, on the roster. Um, Cause we, we have several players who are in their third year right now who you question if they're really making all that much of an impact. Right. Yep. Um, we, we had players in the past, there were four or five years and you're like, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. So the fact that this guy's able to do these things, incredible. I mean, there's just, it's just so easy to, to get behind. I think it's, do you believe that it's contagious for the rest of the team? Like the way he plays, like, like they're like, Oh, he's trying so hard on defense. Like we got to as well. Absolutely. I mean, look no further than I, I don't think it's true just for him. I think it's I think it's true elsewhere in the league. I think um, look at look in Chicago. I mean, we didn't see this Lonzo ball defensively. I think I I, I don't want to get into the Lonzo ball conversation, but um, you oh know, boy. Off, offensively, he's about the same. Yeah, rent free in your head. <laughs> no, but it's him. And, I think him and Caruso. That is it's legitimately that and winning, obviously. But it's legitimately contagious, the, the acti- level of activity. And, and I think um, – so Will Guillory wrote a, a good column about Herb a couple of days ago. And basically the, the quote that he led with and on the tweet when he shared the article was around how you just got to want it. I mean, it, it's, it really is – obviously talent matters, athleticism matters, uh, you know, wingspan matters. All these things are important. But you just got to want to be a good defender and, and commit to it. And, and, and I thought you know, to hear that from a rookie is, is awesome. And it's just, it's true. I mean, <laughs> Lonzo and Bledsoe didn't want it like New Orleans last year. <laughs> they just didn't. And, you know, they have, they, well, Lonzo at least clearly has the talent and ability to, to, to impact the game defensively. Um, the, Herb, Herbert and what, Willie Green, and, you know, say what, you know, whoever you want. I mean, it is contagious and, and hopefully it, it, it continues. And, and as the Pelicans can get healthier and win more games, I would think it only, that only helps matters. So, yeah, I mean, my other question was going to be if the Pelicans continued their way of losing, like how long does that goodwill last? And I was, I was genuinely worried. Like we were, you know, going to find out at some point in the season, like, man, the losers really got to them and they're just done. They're just done. And everyone's kind of playing for themselves, but I got to give credit to them. They, they, they held it together and they've put together this 500 stretch where they're winning every other game or so. So, you know, it seems like they're going to lose tonight to the Mavs and they'll win the next game. If, if, if um, you know past history is any indication, but uh, I can they can they keep that up until Zion's return? I don't I don't know. Do you? I'm going to ask you one thing. I'm going to put an over under on Zion's return date on uh, December 11th. So uh, curious to see where you fall on that. Later. Later. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like. If you pushed that by a week, I would have had a tough time. So let's say 17th. Yeah. 
So, I mean, that, that's where, that, that's right around where like, so will be really cool. They play the Bucks on ESPN on the 17th. That would obviously be, I'm sure the league would love that if that was his debut. <laughs> um, and so I think that's a reasonable target, just given what we've heard about him being, being cleared on full, to fully resume activity. Um, and that's the, really the Pelicans only national TV game for the rest of the month. Um, or, or sorry, no, I, I don't know if that's national. Not, I'm looking at the ESPN schedule. So that's probably the only thing they're calling out is this, is this the ESPN games or NBA TV, I guess, but um Oh no, they have TNT on here too. So yeah, it's their only national TV game through the end of the month. So I think I think it's a reasonable target. Um, no, watch Griff like bring him back, or, or 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 you know the team bring him back on the nineteenth against Philly. But <laughs> I don't know. That that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I they cleared him for activity, so I assume they need to. He needs to go through several practices. Right. Well, they I don't, don't practices, I, right? I mean, right. And and they don't practice much at all because the, the season's so condensed and all of that. So mm-hmm. yeah, dude, I don't I don't know. I don't know where his where his physical fitness is at. I don't know where his weight is at. I don't know what the expectation here is. I'm I'm hesitant to get optimistic and be like, oh gosh, like, you know, he's he's on his way, he's around the corner. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think for my sanity it's easier to just pump the brakes and be like yeah he's still a little bit away and yeah. um and kind of enjoy and figure out what they what they're doing here i the the west has been pretty bad um outside right. from the top of it right the suns and there are more and, and more injuries too right the suns and warriors are, are just fantastic um just really really good and then everyone else is getting hurt and now lebron is out for a little while and um, you know, the Denver's getting injured. Damian Lillard Dame's is out. Yeah. Um, the Kings have had injuries and they fired their coach and the Spurs just suck. And the, you know, the Rockets and Thunder or whatever. Um, it, it seems like if the Pelicans are able to tread water, they can at least not lose ground. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, so that's the reason why if, if, you know, things move as they, as we hope they do, the other reason I think it would be great to get Zion back against like in that ESPN game against Milwaukee, it gives you a couple games of like low risks situations. If you're really trying to make that push and try to get back in the conversation for the play in, I would love for those first two games to be against Milwaukee and Philly, because those are team. Those are two games that I'm putting as a loss anyway, versus you risk him. Obviously you want Zion back as soon as he's healthy and ready to play like full stop. But you know that, you know, whenever this happens, there tends to be some re- reintegration challenges and the team, you know, is, is, you know, usually there's a, there's a dip before the team starts to figure out how to, how to integrate such a, such a huge presence, both literally and metaphorically. Um, and, and so that, that would be great to me because, you know, after Milwaukee, after Philly, then you got Portland, you've got a couple other, you know, you got Orlando and OKC. Those are two games that I think you've, you've got to get. Um so, and, and that's right after a stretch of games where the Pelicans, you know, could, could see themselves favored in a few of them. And which is something that we haven't really been able to say for a while, like at Houston versus uh, home against Detroit at San Antonio, I, you know, probably a coin flip, but you know, if, depending on how the next few games go, maybe they are favored and then OKC. So uh, those are games that again, you, you got to get, and I, you know, as good as Zion is, you, you, you could, you could lose one or two of those as, as you try to figure things out. And so again, like, I mean, so there's a lot of moving parts here and, you know, more than anything, I just want him back, but um, there are other considerations here. So you think their hopes for the play are very much alive at this moment? I don't think they're, I mean, I think the team is going to go that, going to go that way. <laughs> I think there's, I think it's a very long, very much a long shot um, <laughs> at best. I mean, they're six, they're like six games out of the play in and, and they've got a bunch of teams just all clustered together right around there. And they're, they're way back. So um, a lot would have to happen. Um, despite the fact that as you, as you found yesterday, that the strength of schedule thing where the Pelicans are the league's easiest schedule from here on out, but lots. Gotta yeah. Go. I mean, part of the reason they've had the toughest schedule is because, you know, they, they have, uh, they, they're the, they've been one of the worst teams in the league. So that counts against you, right? Every, everyone's better than yourself. So you, yeah, you can't as, play yourself. Yeah. Right. You can't play yourself. And so it's like, okay, that's fine. Um, but 
Yeah, man. I mean, like, I think my biggest concern is that it ends up like a typical Pelican season where like, oh, there's like bits of promise and then they don't ultimately they, they don't end up making it. And you've also you've neither made the plan nor gotten a good draft pick and you're just kind of like stuck in the middle of the road again. And and yeah, I mean, you're just doing the same thing. And the next year you're going into questions of like, oh, do we extend to and Jackson? Do we just keep them around and, you know, let restricted free agency play out? What do we do with Josh Hart? Do we bring him back? Are we going to let the trade exception expire? Do we make buy moves, sell moves? I mean, it's just like yeah. things are – I feel like if as long as Zion's on the team, they need to either go all in and make big, big, big moves or, you know, if this season is lost, then – go the other direction and and not just make tinky tacky moves like bringing Sadaransky and Temple and and a freaking second round pick and you're giving minutes to players who are just like meh and you're not accomplishing anything because you're not giving minutes to Trey Murphy you're not giving minutes to Kyra Lewis and yeah I don't know that's I, I just hate this middle of the road approach. They need to, I okay. think they need to be aggressive and I would love for them to have a really good pick. They don't have to select someone from the pick and then they use that to go all in. Cause I think there's going to be a lot of disgruntled players by the end of this year. I really do think there's going to be more player movement this summer than there's been in the past, not in free agency, um, just trade wise. And so I think they need to be gearing up to make the next move with Zion. And then if Zion's like, Oh, well buddy, I'm leaving whatever you'll recoup all your assets when you trade them. So, and, and uh, you'll have a foundation of a good team because you'll still have Ingram. You'll still have BI. I mean, uh, Jonas, and you'll still have whatever you just went all in for. And if you had to trade Zion, you can easily like build a team around those pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll get to questions from, from folks later, but I think what you said is uh, especially um, related to, so one of the, uh, one of the questions we got from from Remy McSwain is, can you can you pinpoint where are on the season? Slow start. Team starts putting it together. Fans get excited. Key player returns from injury. Adjusting results in a losing streak. Roster roster adjusts. Team looks good. Injuries return. Grasp at the play in spots, but fall short. Like that's <laughs> that's everyone how many knows Pelican, what's coming. Everyone, everyone knows, knows what's coming. How many Pelican seasons can be described roughly with that? I mean, All of them. All of them. It's so sad. All you can do is laugh at it. But yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, like, yeah. If if they if they're serious about this, if they're serious about making a run, then I would like to see them come December fifteenth, start making some moves that signify that. Stop playing Sandoransky and Temple. Trade them if you can. Use your trade exception. Commit one way or another. Okay, and then if you commit this way and come up short whatever i don't blame you but if you're just gonna sit on your ass and the other thing is as a question for you do you believe griff's gonna have the the autonomy he's had in the past because i know when um you know when ad requested out they forbade dell from doing anything that trade deadline they're like you can't you can't trade for people you can only trade away people so do you think griff's gonna have the level of autonomy he's used to experiencing this deadline given how everything's shaken out and Zion's status for the future is questionable? Ma'am, that's a great question. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think it's a, it's a dangerous game. If you, if you think he's on thin ice and you think he's not going to make it through, I feel like there's also a lot we don't know um, about Zion, his camp, what they're, what they're funneling into the Pelicans front office and ownership. So there's a lot of stuff that would help to make this more clear, but it's, I mean, I, I think, I think my, my answer would be yes, but within reason. So like, there's probably moves that they would let him make. Um, but there are probably others. There are probably a lot, you know, there's a line that has to be drawn around how much you can do or, or how, you know, what, what you can, you know, how, how far into the future, what the trades you're making are going to impact this team. Um, but I don't know. That's a really good question. Yeah, I agree. I think with my non-answer. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with your non-answer because it, it's complicated, and you know, it's. I don't. I don't think that they've made a concrete decision on Griff's future yet, 
I think they're going to wait and see how things shake out. They're going to see what Zion wants. So we'll see. Um, I think in the meantime, he's going to have the freedom to do what he's, he's able to do, especially if like good deals present themselves. Um, I think, I still think the targets right now need to be, needs to be guards. And so if they are serious about winning, they should, whenever, as soon as uh, Kemba's eligible for a trade, I think it's December 15th. I could be wrong. Um, they should trade for Kemba, get rid of Sandoransky, and and see what happens. I'm not trying to make apples to apples comparisons, but the Knicks sucked last year um, until they traded for Derrick Rose because they were playing Alfred Payton and Frank Milikina and um, I forget who else they had, but they just didn't have any guard play. They traded for Derrick Rose, and all of a sudden they looked good. They went on a run, and um, – yeah, so I'm not saying that the Pelicans can do the same, but cutting out a clear negative in Sandoransky and then taking a shot at a guy who can legitimately run a pick and roll and is actually shooting quite well from three this year and is, uh, has been a pretty prolific off-the-dribble three-point maker over the last several years is not a bad gamble in my eyes. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be good with it. I mean, I think – um, given the, the minutes they'd be taking the player, I mean, that's kind of seems like a, it's, it's not a, if you could, if you can make it for a second, I would say it's almost, it would be a no brainer if his contract was one year. Um, I think there, there is, there's certainly more to consider when he's got a second year, but I guess like always Pelicans can talk to themselves into by saying, Oh, he's, he's salary filler for a trade next year. And in the trade that inevitably will not happen because it's the Pelicans. Um, but I can talk myself into it. <laughs> I've already talked myself into it. I have talked myself into tanking. However, if we don't tank, <laughs> I think they need to make moves like this. I would love for the, another guard that I've been like, really, I don't know if the Spurs would ever want to trade us guards, but DeJounte Murray, who I've not been a big fan of, has actually been pretty good this year. And I think he'd be a fun, fun get for this team. He'd probably cost a lot to get though. Well, I think another Another thing that would be cool about Kemba is just like he's a he's a name. Like he's he's star, he he was an all-star. Um, and you know, he can still he can still play and he's still, you know, a, a good offensive player. Um, and that that matters for a team like New Orleans, you know, having and, having stars together, you know, I'll t- I'll take what I can get at this point. Don't and he can tell Zion how about how bad New York is. And Tibbs is a coach. It's 40 yeah. chess, baby. Exactly. That's why we're doing it. Anyways, I think I think we've had enough. <laughs> yeah. Now, last let, let's wrap let's wrap with this. All right. So the Pelicans next uh the, so the Pelicans next 7 games are Dallas home, Dallas away, Houston away, Denver home, Detroit home, San Antonio away, Thunder away. No back-to-backs. All teams that um, again, given the fact that Denver's very banged up, still have Jokic, obviously, the MVP, but still banged up. What do you think? What what would be um what's your I guess median outcome for the Pelicans over the next seven against those teams? Three and four. Ooh. That is it's disappointing if that happens. I, I think <laughs> I think that would be as early as it is in the season. I think. I think that would be very deterministic for me on which direction to, to go full steam ahead on. Um, like you can't, you can't lose ground in the standings against those teams. And if you do, you may as well just punt <laughs> in my opinion. I know that's what kind of the drum you've been banging, but I, I, I would look at that as a disappointment uh, if they go three and four against those teams. Yeah. I mean, look, they've lost twice, twice or three times, twice to the Kings, maybe three. I don't know how many times they played twice. Um, they lost the Thund Thunder. Uh, they've just dropped a lot of games this year against bad teams. They lost to the Wizards who didn't have Beal. Um, so I just, I don't have confidence for them to be like significantly, you know, I, I would have guessed 500 if it was even, right? But since it's not, I'm going to, I'm going to take the under on that and say it's three and four. What, what do you have them at? Or what would you ex- like, what would be your median outcome? And then the outcome that you'd be, you know, happy with. So. I think, I think four and three is reasonable. 
So I think you they, would you would be willing to punt if they went three and four, but four and three is like not willing to punt. Um. So you you, you raise a fair point. I'm I'm I guess I'm more speaking about like where you know where this team is and, and how you know how good they are and how good they can be because I would really like to see a split against Dallas and then you know you drop Denver or San Antonio and you take care of business against the rest um I, I mean I think this team the way they're playing can go five and two and I don't I would not bet on it <laughs> we had this discussion at the end of last season and I was the optimist and you were the realist um although there were I, there were some injuries that came up right after we recorded. I remember like that's when that's when the Kiel and Hart and all those guys went down. Um, but I, I I I do I mean obviously very much see where you're coming from, and I, I just think this team's gotta this team's gotta take care of business against the upcoming schedule like this um, to make me have any confidence that they can actually make make a run for the play-in. So it's less about the record to me, and it's more about just you know, what do I, what do I see from them? And what do I think they're, you know, how what if it was like something completely ridiculous where they won both Dallas games and the nuggets games, but they just dropped the rest. <laughs> that would be like peak Pelicans. <laughs> so losing to Houston, or Houston, Detroit and Oklahoma city. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man, this team. I, I just, see, I just, that's why I just don't think you can have like outcome oriented, like, goals and decisions because it's weird shit happens all the time. And I feel like, you know, the Pelicans are always kind of like, Oh, let's wait and see what happens with this before we decide which way to commit. I'm like, just have a, you know, top to bottom organizational aligning philosophy somewhere and, and stick to it. And, and whatever it is, I'll get behind it, but just stick to it. Don't you right now. They've been, they've been half-assing it for three years. But I think that's hard because, I hear you, but also, I mean, you've got to, with, with Zion and the situation they're, they're finding themselves in, you've got to push full steam ahead, I think. And so, like, that and that conflicts, obviously, with what a rational thinker would say about this team and where they are in the standings. So it, I can understand the, the conflict and the, and the potential, like, competing interests, but I really think ultimately they've got to push and they've got to, they've got to prove to themselves and the Zion that they can be something, even if that's in the best, the, not in the best interests of, you know, the draft. And, so and, then they need to be aggressive and get some real players in and not be afraid to lose some deals because this, this, this Thomas Sandoransky and Garrett Temple is bullshit. It's not cutting. Agreed. And, and, and like Devante is a great pickup, but you know, he's, he's a, like what, what, where in the rotation is he on like a high caliber playoff team? Is he like an eighth man, ninth man? You know what I mean? And Are you so, serious? Wait, really? You think that? You think that of Devonte on a high caliber playoff team? You think he could be a starter? No, um, no, no, probably not. I'm not going to say definitely no. But man, I, I would, I would, I would certainly call him a six man. Okay, so six, six man. I think that's fair. I would say six to eight, right? Um, and I think that's fine. Six man, a six man is probably fair, but you know, it's just one of those things where I, I mean, I really like him. I think he's the best guard on the team and I think he's going to look way better when Zion's here, but it's just like, yep. we're, you know, like I, I'm, I'm done with these singles and doubles. Just like, I would love for them to swing and miss, which is what they did with Kyle Lowry. I give them credit, you know, for swinging and missing. They did that with Chris Paul. They swung and missed. But, like, that's that kind of mentality should have been there from day one, in my opinion. And and it needs to continue to be there. And so I would love to see a level of aggression ramp up. And, I, you know, I, and I know I just said, oh, like, go swap out Sandoransky for Kemba, and that's another single or double. I, I get that. But I don't think that precludes you from, like, taking actual swings. Like, I think – Not at all. Yeah. I guess beyond like timely salary aggregation. Um, but that's about it. Right. Jonas is a solid move though. You know, good for it. Good for that move and, and a plus and locking him up. Love that guy. Yeah. That's, that's great. I mean, that guy's been playing like a top 25 player this year. Yep. Huh. Anyways, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully the Pelicans uh, come out with this, uh, by the, with this win, you guys are probably going to listen 
to this podcast um, after the outcome of the Dallas game has been determined, but that's okay. We're going to, we're going to just, um, we're going to pretend like they won anyway. Herbert Jones locked up Luca. That's what happened. Josh Hart looked, locked up uh, Porzingis. He's he questionable. Yeah. <laughs> if he plays. <laughs> Garrett Temple, baby. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Anyways, folks, thanks for, thanks for listening. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this and uh, we'll, uh, we'll give you all some of these episodes more often. everyone my name is colin kelly and i have one question for you do you love fantasy football and do you want to win in 2021 then be sure to check out rotoviz overtime and all the other rotoviz podcasts with new shows dropping every day on blue wire we've got you covered for all things fantasy football subscribe to rotoviz overtime today